Okay. Cool. Alrighty. So, for a uh, big, big podcast announcement, we... Oh. <laughs> yeah, we got with the times of, you know, 17 years ago, and we have a Facebook page now. Oh my gosh. I'm still waiting for our MySpace to launch. <laughs> Who would be our top eight? Oh my gosh. Remember when you could play like... Dude, MySpace was made for us because you could play music. You could have like a page song. MySpace was definitely like a, it, it definitely tried to reinvent itself as being for musicians when Facebook was just decimating it. Right. It was like, no, come back to us and play songs and you can have like a away message song that people play with your page and you can like change your background. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, check us out on Facebook, Bat backbeats and breakdowns one of these days i'll be able to just say it and uh and yeah we're going to be posting all of the episodes up there but also we're looking for a way to kind of easier more easily interact with you the fans and based on our demographics you're most likely on facebook (laughs) and also what i can say is now when i say that i'll post a video or a picture up there i know how to do that now you know what you're doing on Facebook, so I can actually do that, which is great. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Oh, my exciting. gosh. And we, you can even link to Instagram. It's amazing. We're going to do so many great Facebook things. <laughs> We're going to bring Facebook back. Yeah, just in time for it to, like, go away. You kids on your TikTok are are going to be ruining the day that you didn't have a Facebook account. Exactly. Exactly. Um, another big announcement. We're, tre- we're testing out a new oh. piece of equipment. Oh. Which is this, I have a recorder, Steven has a recorder, and later we're going to play Hot Crossed Buns on them. Yeah. Did you play re- Did you play recorder in school? Of course I did. I think Who everybody didn't? did, right? Yeah. I still play recorder. I actually got, um, oh no, that's not a recorder. I didn't get recorders for the kids. What's the other thing? Um, a flute? Because... A kazoo. A kazoo. <laughs> I got a bunch of kazoos. So, yeah, I got a kazoo. I went to Guitar Center to pick up something in, uh, with Henrik, and uh, he wanted something because he always does anywhere because he's six, mm-hmm. almost six. And so I got a kazoo, and it broke like five minutes after we got home, as kazoos do. And um, so I ordered a bunch on Amazon, and they came, and they were all just broken. When they got oh, no. Here. Yeah, it was like I've never seen a kid's dreams, hopes crushed it, 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 before they even started. Yeah, it is incredible like what matters to a kid. But then like, I don't know, stuff like that matters to me too. But I'm reminded of the, the Brian Regan bit when he's talking about how like the kid had the balloon and it flew away and he started oh, crying yeah. and his parent was like, oh, don't cry. It's just a balloon. And he's like, you don't understand. It'd be like if you took your wallet out and it just flew away. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It's so much more important to kids than yes. Yeah. Um, anyway. No. So uh, oh. I have a new piece of equipment that we're testing out. And there's something that I learned about this piece of equipment roughly like an hour before we started recording. Oh. And you're going to uh-huh. hate it. Oh, speaking of. Uh-huh. You can pre-program sound effect buttons. <laughs> so now I don't have to do it. I can just go. Uh, <laughs> oh, 
God, and I love how you made it. this. This was not scripted. Uh. <laughs> well, it's just you've been saying it so damn much. Uh, oh I gosh. can't help it. So, um, so Listen, here, Stephen, uh, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Uh, tell a joke. Oh, uh, knock knock. Who's there? I am. I am who? You don't remember who you are? crickets <laughs> and they go on oh for way gosh. too long <laughs> oh yeah well as yeah as crickets do this is gonna be terrible all right um, so hold on now i've got a joke oh. i've got a joke for you oh oh good yes what's the deal with corn nuts is it a corn or is it a nut Hey, do you think that was a synthesizer? Uh, it actually was. I know this. Yeah. Um, it was not a bass guitar, as it sounds like. But yeah, the yeah, uh, that is a synth. Um, wow. Playing all that kind of slappy sound. And then, That's um, pretty cool. And then I have one more sound pre-programmed. And don't worry, there's only I never, room for no, four. No way. Yeah, there's only room for four. But in case we just ever need to be like, if it's like, oh... Shoot, we ran out of things to talk about, which, judging by the length of our episodes, shouldn't be a problem. But um, there's ever some dead air, then we can just play back this quick little news report that I found. Dave Matthews Band tour bus dumped hundreds of pounds of human waste on more than 100 passengers floating in a cruise boat along the Chicago (laughs) River under Kinsey Street. Uh... This is what I did with part of my day today. Like... (laughs) Well, good thing it's Saturday. Um, uh, it's not. I know. Oh, right. It was after work. Oh, good. Yeah. Come on. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. No, I don't need my boss listening to this and going. Uh? Okay. Listen, <laughs> on January 19th, 1953. Oh. Michael Bodicker was born. Who's that? He played synth. On Michael Jackson's albums, Thriller, Bad and Dangerous. Mm. So I thought that was like a neat little tie-in and a shout out to Dan again um, from from our last episode. I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. January 19th, this guy was born. And you think about synth players. He was a session musician and he was also a film composer. So, you know, that's cool. And uh, he played synth on Michael Jackson's albums. Thought that was pretty neat. That is very neat. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you missed our last episode, it was our first interview ever. And so, thank you again to Dan. Um, if you're like us and you kind of like nerd out over interesting topics, you're definitely going to want to check that out on our new Facebook page, Backbeats and Breakdowns. <laughs> I'm just, Ooh. it just every every chance I get is going to be nothing but shilling for our podcast. Oh, good. Yeah. Um. So wait, Michael Jackson had, I don't think I knew this. He had, he had an album called Dangerous. Or maybe it's Bad and Dangerous. No, Bad was just bad. Yeah. So he had an album called Dangerous. So Thriller. But I mean, Bad was good though. It was. Yeah. Like, I mean, the signs were there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's bad and dangerous. Yeah. Do you have any other facts? I have a couple more. Okay. I thought you'd never ask. Um, 
So January 23rd, 1991, John Sebastian. Do you know who this guy is? The, like the, oh no, not, not Bach. That's Johan. Yeah, no, just John Sebastian. So he is the owner and general manager of KLSK FM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. So I wouldn't expect you to know who he is. But he played Led Zeppelin's um, Stairway to Heaven for 24 straight hours to inaugurate a format change to classic rock. And I don't know if you know what was going on in 1991, but it was, well, Nirvana happened, but the Gulf War started in January of 1991. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so during this 24-hour period that he was playing Stairway to Heaven, a few things happened. The police showed up with guns drawn to the studio after a listener reported that the DJ had apparently suffered a heart attack because the song was on repeat. Oh. And then later, the police came back with a SWAT team because eight days into the Gulf War, they thought that the radio station had been taken hostage by terrorists dispatched by Saddam Hussein, who was a Led Zeppelin fan. (laughs) (laughs) So So, (laughs) So they thought that Saddam Hussein sent some terrorists to Albuquerque, New Mexico, which I don't know if you've ever seen Breaking Bad, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Right. To play Stairway to Heaven on repeat for 24 hours. That's really funny. I thought that was interesting. Just the... (laughs) (laughs) So this guy's trying to like, you know, promote a, a format change to classic rock by playing Stairway to Heaven for 24 hours straight. And in those 24 hours, like he caused a lot of havoc. Caused a bit of a ruckus. A bit of a kerfuffle. <clears throat> Listen, I have two more fun facts. Oh, okay, and good. One, one will lead me into something I want to spend a few minutes talking about with you that you're probably not going to want to talk about. Hmm. But listen, I don't know if that's true or not. I just said words. So on January 23rd, 2001, and I thought this was interesting because I want to know, so I have a question based on this fact. This is not the one I want to talk about for an extended period of time. Okay. But I have a question based on this for you. So because you are um, somebody who is into the rap genre. Oh, sure. Yeah. I wanted to get your take on this comment. So January 23rd, 2001, a coroner criticized Eminem for playing a part in the death or the suicide of... A 17-year-old boy who threw himself in front of a train. Oh, maybe that's not the story of Stan. I don't think so. Because he had had the lyrics to Rock Bottom printed out and on him when he jumped in front of a train. So So my question to you is this, and I apologize, that was a very somber story. But my question is, do you think that it's a fair to 
criticize artists for songs that they write having influence on actions that people take? Um, I think that, I think that songs, I'll say this for a, um, I'm going to try to say this as sensitively as I can. And I mean that. Sure. Um, I think that for a, like an, a normally adjusted person, like there's not, there's, yes, you know what I mean? Like there's not like a mental health thing going on um there's nothing physiological that's um clouding judgment or kind of like reason then i think what music can do is um heighten the desire or response to feelings that are already present sure so if you are somebody that is going to go work out, then having the right mix might encourage you to do that one more set, run that one more, you know, mile, whatever. But just listening to um, jock jams isn't going to get you off the couch and into the gym. I agree. So, like, I, I, it's an interesting question. And and um, yeah. Kate and I were actually just watching something last night where something about like mental health came up and um, I just, I didn't love the, the person's kind of response to it. It, it felt a little just kind of flippant in the moment. Um, but it was kind of the same thing of just people's reaction to outside stimuli. Yeah. And um, what I will say is mm-hmm. that, I, I do think that what you consume can help or hurt a direction that you're going. Um, so, and, and I think that this is what very, do you mean by that? so I think it's very prevalent in, um, you know, we talk about technology or social media or the news and like, is it bad inherently? Yeah. And yeah. I think it depends on what you consume. So if you're consuming nothing but negative things, I think it's likely okay. that you're prone to you're you're more than likely prone to heightened feelings of anxiety, heightened feelings of hopelessness. Um, sure. And so, if you are already in a place where you where something is causing you like turmoil or pain, and then you only consume media that heightens that experience, then again, that's what I'm saying is I think the media heightens something that's already present. Right. Um. And so music has that same effect. Yeah, I think so. I mean, think about it. If you've, you know, ever been through a breakup or something and all you're listening to is, you know, sad country music, music, country music, <laughs> well, my wife left with my best friend and I miss him. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And, uh, one of my favorite, favorite country songs is, um, you ain't been as much fun since I quit drinking. I think that's one, <laughs> but, sure um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, if all you're listening to is love hurts, mm. then it's going to continue to just have you dwell on those thoughts. Alternatively, you know, if you are in a in a bad mood, I think that positive music can help you navigate through that. Um, yeah. So yeah, well, I don't know. What do you think? 
Well, I mean, I think it's, I think that it is, it's similar to when I feel like people blame video games like Call of Duty or, um, excuse me, Grand Theft Auto for, you know, then people having negative actions in the world, like going out and stealing cars or thinking that, you know, being disrespectful to women is okay because you can do it in a video game like mm-hmm. in Grand Theft Auto or like, you know, things like that. I think there's a certain element that may, you know, influence you to think a certain way. Like, oh, if it's okay for me to do it on a video game or if, or if Eminem's singing about it, mm-hmm. you know, singing about being depressed, then, you know, maybe I'm depressed or it's okay. But I don't think that it's necessarily fair to criticize in this case like to criticize an artist for producing yeah, because Eminem went through some tough times oh, sure. and like, so, you know, so he's telling, you know, as a, as a lot of artists do, like it's, it's the stories of their lives and how they're coping with emotions and music as the outlet. So I don't think it's necessarily fair in this particular case to say that, you know, Oh, well, it's Eminem's, and I don't want to put words in this coroner's mouth. I'm not saying that he came out and said it's Eminem's fault that this boy committed suicide because it's not. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's fair to put that on artists that are producing music based on their life events to put it on like they're being responsible or somehow influencing other people to, you know, to whether it be take their own life or be, you know, be depressed. But as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about you know, the, the, the other side of the coin where, you know, people may credit an artist or a song for pulling them out of a tough time. So it's like on the one end, how can you, how can I say, because I'm the one speaking, right? Like, how can I say that it's not fair to necessarily criticize someone or place some amount of, I don't want to use, I don't like saying the, use the word blame, but like for lack of a better term on the negative aspect, when you, when I could turn around and say, you know, oh, uh, you know, Carrie Underwood, I don't know, helped me through a, through a dark time. And, you know, she made me ha- have a positive outlook on things. So it's like, how can I credit for a positive outcome, but, but not necessarily place any ownership on a negative outcome? Yeah, no. And that's something it's tricky. It is. It's tricky. Um, and then I tricky, immediately tricky, went tricky. to, oh my gosh, that's one of my karaoke go-tos. <laughs> <laughs> which is a terrible segue. I mean, I agree. I don't think that it's, and you and I have talked about this in regards to other things. I think a lot of times we, we look at like a, a potential, I don't want a measurement or, or like occurrence and assign either like blame or praise to it. So I, well, I, well, I'll say, I don't know that it's fair to say that Eminem's song caused this young man to jump in front of a train. I also don't think I would say that, okay, somebody's song definitely pulled them out of what they were doing because I don't believe that, um, that just a song by itself could do either. Now, what's interesting though, is what you said is, okay, so Carrie Underwood really got me through it. Taylor Swift, you know. I think that it is possible to potentially relate to an artist. And if you were to look at more of an artist's catalog, I think that it would be, especially nowadays with social media and everything, and you can feel like you're connecting with somebody, um, which again, Eminem, that's the song Stan is that there was a fan that felt slighted. Um, 
So I guess that can have negative impacts as well. If if I had to, I mean, I'm just reading through the lyrics here and it's, it's definitely a, um, you know, it's, it's, I'll, I'll admit I am not familiar with this song. I don't think I've listened to it, uh, yeah, but the lyrics, are, you know, are pretty intense. Um, yeah. And it's all talking about, you know, being rock bottom. Um, yeah. When this life makes you mad enough to kill you, that's rock bottom. When you want something bad enough to steal, that's rock bottom. Um, there's people love me and people that hate me, but it's the evil that made me this backstabbing, deceitful and shady. Um, yeah. So I think it's really unfortunate, um, what happened, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't love what I'm about to say, but hopefully people understand it's coming from a place of compassion i think if anything this young man was probably treating these lyrics as more of a suicide note versus this is the reason yep i don't disagree with that yeah when i i i, I, did, I was not familiar with the song and i read the lyrics and i kind of felt the same way it's like because this is a story you know this is eminem's story of or I, you know i don't know exactly what the song is about necessarily or who what vision he's writing it from i can only imagine it's his own mm-hmm. um but you know uh, I think it's his story of how he is feeling and what he's going through at rock bottom of his life. And so it is a lot of real life examples of, of things that happen that I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, and it's just a matter of how you handle it. So I agree. I think I, I kind of feel the same way about it. So, yeah, there's a song um, that I, that was, I don't know. I think if read in the context of a suicide would potentially have a similar reaction, but, um, there's a, there's a rapper named atmosphere. He has a song called guarantees. Um, and the whole thing is about like guarantees in life, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's about a lot of the similar things that Eminem's rapping about in rock bottom, which is basically being broke, seeing no way out, seeing other people succeeding and kind of dealing with that. Um, and you know, I, that song kind of came into my, I was, I became aware of it at a point in my, in my life where, you know, I was working a job I didn't love for not enough money too late driving too far. We had two very young kids. So, everything is stressed, you know, and you're deciding, okay, which bill has the, 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 um, least, least intense, you know, penalty (laughs) fee if we have to pay it late type of thing. And, um, and yeah, just the, the, there's a great, the second verse is just my better half is mad at making magic out of canned goods. My tax bracket status got her question in my manhood. Um, yeah. And it's just this idea of the struggle, right? Yeah, of course. Um and I the, the I listen to that and it's something that you can relate to and I think kind of help work through some emotional times, but it's like with an air of I'm not satisfied with this. I can't stay here. And right ultimately what it boils down to is there's only a handful of options when you're brought to a point where you're again, this is what Kate and I were just watching. It was also about this where you're like, I've had enough 
And, you know, unfortunately for this other young man, you, you play that out all the way to finality, um, versus, you know, playing out some more positive potential steps that he could have taken. I mean, that's why it's so important just to have people in your life. Um, I had mentioned the, uh, technology earlier and, I, I think that one of the most dangerous things about technology is, and it's not specific to technology, but it definitely helps it, is the just how easy it is to find yourself in an echo chamber where everybody agrees with you. Right, and, of course. Um, without ever being challenged, without ever having somebody call you on some bullshit in your life and be there and just to like love you as a person um, and to just keep consuming things that either affirm or reaffirm what you already think or believe um, or, you know, just kind of make you continue to retreat into a, a lonely existence, I think is really, really sad. I think it's going to be one of the toughest things for the world to break out of. Um, Absolutely. And obviously the pandemic exacerbated that. But at the same time, you look at all of the good that technology brought, you know, I mean, think of how bad right. um, unemployment would have been if these companies couldn't offer a work from home option. Oh my gosh. So right. yeah, it's, Absolutely. I, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a, a fairly lame attempt at making, comparing music to technology where I, I don't know that they at their core are inherently good or evil, but they probably just help um, I guess move things along in a direction that somebody might already be taking. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a great, I mean, I think that's a great way to put it. So, yeah, this was, this might, is this the most serious we've been on the podcast? I think so. Uh, was, uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's been like 15 minutes of serious there. Yeah. No, it's there. Yeah, you can. There's only there's only so much in the in the in the <laughs> bottle that you can have that's serious. It sounded like but you were going to say something. No, I was just going to say uh, it is the most serious. And I, when I was looking at the facts and what to bring, I was like, I read it and I said, okay, well, I could just you know this could just be a fact, or maybe it's an opportunity to have a little bit of a serious conversation um, for just a few minutes. So moving on to that, um, I'm glad that, you brought it up. One, me too, you know, and, and thank you for being glad that I brought it up. Well, and um, as folks might know, um, mm. in general, and I don't know if this is the Irish part of me or if it's just the way that I cope with our mortality, but in general, I, I think death is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, you know, we, last week we made a joke about the Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and and things like that. And yeah. so, okay. Is it in poor taste? Maybe, but you know, there's in all seriousness, I, I don't think that there's anything for the most part funny, um, you know, about somebody that was clearly struggling and just didn't have right. either, didn't have the opportunity to ask for help, didn't have the right people around them. No. Um, so yeah, but no, it was a good topic. Okay, good. All right. So the last thing I have for you today is January 19th, 2011. Do you know who Steven Tyler is? I do. Okay. Phew. So he made his debut appearance as a judge on American Idol. 
Oh, sure. During the premiere of the show's 10th season, and he replaced Simon Cowell. So, yeah, not a good fact, right? Like, whatever, who cares? Um, but what I wanted to talk a little bit about is your perspective on American Idol and, like, The Voice and shows like that and their impact on the music industry, but also, you know, the tremendous impact they've had on just the entertainment industry from a television perspective as well. Um, So I wanted to just give a brief overview of some things that I learned going down like a little bit of my own version of a rabbit hole Mm -hmm. um, around American Idol because I, I read that and I said, okay, well, sure, fine, whatever, who cares about Steven Tyler being a judge and I kind of went past it. And then as I was thinking more, I was like, well, American Idol is kind of like, whether you like it or you don't, it's kind of a big deal. And it's, and it's produced a lot of artists that have transcended the industry. You know, it's produced a lot of people that haven't, but Mm -hmm. either way. Right. So do you know how American Idol like got started? Um, it was, well, Simon Cowell had, was it, and was it X? No, it was something before X factor. Yeah. He uh, had pop, pop idol. Yes. In the UK. Yep. Yeah. So him and this guy, Nigel Lith- Lithgow, I think is his name. Lithgow. Lithgow. Sure. Um, so they had pop idol in the UK, very successful. They tried to sell it to the U S in like 2000. But nobody want like they went to Fox, NBC, like everybody. Nobody was convinced that it was going to be successful in the U.S. Rupert Murdoch, Fox, was convinced by his daughter after she watched a few seasons of Pop Idol. Mm-hmm. She convinced him to purchase it for Fox, and they started in 2002 with Simon Cowell and Nigel Lithgow go um, the first season, American Idol. And then the next year after that, Simon Simon was obviously the head judge. And then they brought in Ryan Seacrest and the rest, as they say, is history about that. But for the first 10 years of American Idol, so this has been, I think they went, they're in like 20 20 seasons because there was a two-year gap 2016 Mm -hmm. idol like the rating started dropping fox dropped american idol and there was a two-year kind of like hiatus and then abc picked up american idol in 2018 so then they've had um whatever four seasons from 18 to 22 but for the first 10 years from american idol there were 345 billboard chart toppers not necessarily from the winners but just from american idol contestants 300 yeah in 345 in 10 years top 100 on the billboard in the u.s Mm -hmm. so then was this one of them talk to me tell me your name you blow me off like it's all the same you is that William Hung? Or... Like it sure is. <laughs> yeah, baby. She bangs, she bangs. Oh, baby. But she moves, she moves. <laughs> yep. That was one of them. 
Wait, um, seriously? A hundred percent it was. Oh, that's awesome. It's amazing, right? Um, so interestingly enough, his <laughs> net worth, it, so I did a little digging. I, I When I tell you I went down a rabbit hole. Like, I love it. I did. Right. I figured you'd appreciate it. Um, so he's he's just just hovering under a million dollars in his net worth from, you know, this. So he, you know, I don't I wouldn't say he made it big, but he made it big enough. Um but for for eight years, the show was ranked the number one show in US TV rankings. Um sponsorships for to be sponsor you know, sponsorships on American Idol fifty to sixty million dollars by the 10th season ad revenue for the show was over 800 million dollars that's crazy in the eighth in the in nearing like the sixth to ninth season and then it started to decline with the views so what i thought was interesting was um and then i'm going to ask your opinion on this right so what i thought was interesting was originally a lot of people american idol and the concept of it was met with a lot of criticism i don't know if you remember this I don't remember it, um, but a lot of artists from the show have said that the contracts from that they've that they got were oppressive, making them doing making them do shows and events that they had they didn't want to do. Yeah, I did. I do remember hearing that it was like it was almost better to come in second on American Idol yeah. than to win it. Yeah, um, because, except for like a handful of people. Yeah. And and I think the early ones were, I don't know, maybe the early ones were were more roped in than the later ones. But I, yeah, so I think because of what you're saying, the contracts were kind of garbage, and then you were kind of like forced into this roadshow type thing. Yeah, absolutely. It was horrible. Um, I wasn't there, but you know, I don't know. But they say it was horrible. Um, but Usher. So a lot of like artists were saying we're ripping the show apart originally. So Usher said it made becoming a star and the art of music seem so easy that anyone could do it and discredited all of the hard work that it took for people to get there before they had these types of talent shows that gave instant fame to people, which I can understand. Um, Cheryl Crow, which I thought was interesting, she later appeared on the show as a mentor. I understand, but I don't agree with, which we can talk about that, though. Yeah, I want I want to get your perspective on those. I want to just give you like a couple things, and I want to get your perspective on it. Um, Cheryl Crow, who appeared later on after the, you know, maybe I think the sixth or seventh season, she appeared as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, she originally said that it undermines art in every way and promotes commercialism. Fine. Um, I thought it was interesting. And then... Uh, the last, the last kind of thing, just about American Idol, um, is it has so the Idol alumni have produced fifty four Grammy nominations, and they've won thirteen Grammy awards. Carrie Underwood has the most decorated Idol alumni um, in the Grammy nominations, and she's also the most successful. Um, from a net worth perspective. So her net worth is $140 million. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the top four real quick. $140 million, Carrie Underwood. Kelly Clarkson is second in net worth at $45 million. Adam Lambert is third at $30 million. And Jennifer Hudson is fourth 
um, at $28 million. Is Adam Lambert the one that became the singer for Queen or Boston? Yes, yes. Or both, yes. actually. Yeah. Uh, well, he has. He was a. Uh, I don't know. He was. He had a Las Vegas Las Vegas residency with Queen in like 2018. Yeah, 19. I could have sworn. Who am I thinking of? Somebody became the lead singer of Boston, but no, Adam Lambert was. Yeah, he's Queen. <laughs> he's the singer for Queen. Right. Um, don't exactly. write me a letter. So no. Yeah. So interesting. So what I want what so what I think is interesting is like, okay, so Carrie Underwood arguably I mean, not arguably, she's the most successful person to come out of American Idol. I guess you maybe you could argue Kelly Clarkson. I mean, whatever. But No, if there's a hundred million dollar difference. Yeah, but that's only if you design if you define success by net worth. Mm, like Carrie Underwood okay. and well, I mean, Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson, like if they both walked into a room, you're going to know both of them immediately. Like they're both equally as famous, I would say. I mean, Steve yeah. Carell screamed Kelly Clarkson's name when he was getting waxed in 40-Year-Old Virgin. But isn't that because that movie came out like right after she won? Probably. I'm just, just say you're proud of me for watching a freaking movie, all right? What's my thought on you watching in the movie? <laughs> I don't watch things. No, nah, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's so, the best. <laughs> so if, where's your, thank you. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, golly gosh. So like without American Idol, would we have had, would, would, Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, like would they have gotten to a point where they could have emerged? This is my, these are my questions for you. Would they have gotten to a point where they would have emerged as the big artists that they are? And do you agree with any of the criticism around like American Idol being a dog and pony show, um, you know, like an unfair advantage for artists this, this, this time, you know, this age, this day and ages? the words I'm trying to say like what are your thoughts on these types of talent shows that make people famous like this um I mean I was into Idol the first few seasons it was the kind of thing where you know we would get together as friends and watch it um and you know in my early 20s I think yeah um so let me let me answer these in order. So would people be famous without it? Um, it yes and no, but mm-hmm. I think someone like a Carrie. This is this is why I think there's a difference. I think Carrie Underwood probably yes. Kelly Clarkson I'm not sure because Fair. I and I like Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Um, but she had early success, and then. I think she only kind of had within the past five or six years that she had that song stronger that came out. Yeah. Um, and then she did a bunch of Christmas albums. So fine. Um, I mean, Carrie Underwood is the, is singing Sunday night football. She's touring. She's, I think got like a clothing line or something like, yeah. Um, so I I think that, and this is why I'm saying I don't necessarily agree that, it's making people famous that otherwise wouldn't have been. Um, 
Well, I think I think what Usher I think you know what the sentiment is is that it's giving people an opportunity. It's giving people an easy way. Now, there's nothing easy about becoming famous and to- being a touring musician and like having talent in that regard. Like there's nothing easy about that, but it's giving people an easy way to be to become instantly famous. Like you're auditioning for a talent show, you're getting on a talent show, and then you're signing a record deal if you finish in the top 10. Yeah, but I don't think that I I and this is where I think the word famous is the wrong word to use. I if okay. you wanted to say it's easier for someone to become famous, then fine. I played a clip of William Hung earlier and pre YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, William Hung would not have been popular. Correct. So at the time, I think, and this is the reason why I think American Idol was so successful in the beginning and then started to drop off. We'll we'll get to this a little bit more, but it's not just the spectacle of it, although that is a big part. Yeah. Um, it, I'll, I'll come back to that. So the fame okay. piece, sure. But I think that that's completely negated in 2023. I, I, and okay. I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, because you don't need American Idol. The, 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 and what Usher is getting at, and I get this, prior to that, you needed to put in the time and there was no quote unquote shortcut to a record deal. Although there definitely is in the industry. You definitely, if you know the right people or you're the son mm-hmm. of someone or, you know, if you've got, if your sure. parents have the money, it's always there. Absolutely. What I don't agree with is that it's an easier way to success. And, um, because there's stories I, and I think, I don't know of any, any of them off the top of my head, but there's people that would go through this process and then come out at the other end thinking, geez, I don't even want to do this anymore. Right. And so, um, okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's a ton of work to not only win the show, but then also maintain success afterwards. Like, sure. I don't even know if he won, but Daughtry still has a career. But like, when's the last time anybody talked about Daughtry? Yeah. Or Sanjaya. Like Sanjaya was famous for a year. And I only know his name because I looked up American Idol real quick and it came up with his name before it said, it looks like you have an ad blocker installed. Please. And I just closed the tab. Um, (laughs) So I don't know. Similar to um, what we talked about. Last time it, it feels like a little bit of, but hurt coming from Usher and, um, it, it's the, it's the same thing where new ways of doing things will always upset the old guard. Um, mm-hmm. but the things that lead to success rarely change. And so mm-hmm. for American Idol, sure. Someone like William Hung could be, become famous on American Idol because he went out there and whatever term you want to use, he was ridiculous. He was funny. He was cringy. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it got views and it got people on YouTube yeah. watching it and it Absolutely. got people sharing it and everything. And it became a viral video. Um, 
somebody like Psy, 15 years later, comes out with Gungam Style without American Idol. And I think it's probably still the top played YouTube video of all time. So probably there are people who said that, you know, who have criticized YouTube of, oh, well, that's an, and listen, I, when I was younger, when I was first getting into video editing, if, 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 geez, I don't even need to talk about that. This is, if you and I 15, 10 years ago, even wanted to host a radio show the barrier to entry was much higher than we've got a portable recording studio that we can set up in your basement in a matter of five minutes talk. And then we can have something out online in just in the time that it takes to upload it. Right. So you've got your critics from traditional media saying, Oh, well like YouTube and streaming is going to kill television or, you know, podcasting Mm -hmm. is going to kill radio or streaming music is going to kill you know, CD sales and yeah, maybe, but you can still be successful in those arenas. Right. But I mean, listen, I'll speak for myself. It takes a lot of work to be the most successful podcast on Spotify. Yeah, it does. And I'm telling you guys, we're putting in the work for you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So, Oh my God. um, Daughtry finished fifth. Well, hey, in good season, on him for making a career five. afterwards. Being, do you know who won? Do you know who won that season? Uh, was it Adam Lambert? No, Adam Lambert didn't win. Adam Lambert came in second. Oh, he came in second to. Um, wasn't it another Adam? No. Who did he come in second to? Adam Lambert came in second to Chris Allen in season eight. That's right, and then Chris Allen has done like nothing. Never heard of him. Like yep. never, I've literally never heard of him. Daughtry finished fifth. Catherine McPhee came in second and she's more successful. She is the fifth, by the way, she is the fifth highest. Um, she has the fifth highest network net worth from an American Idol alum at $14 million. Taylor Hicks won season five. Okay. Yeah. So I remember yeah, Taylor Hicks. Like he was the one with the gray hair. Yep. That's all I know about him. But like, anyway. even just look at, and, and this goes to like ushers. This is, this is my right. argument to ushers point. Okay. Adam Lambert didn't win. Correct. He's more successful than the winner who got the record deal. Yep. So the path to success or fame or notoriety may change, but the, but the core way of getting there, of putting in the work and having the drive and just getting out there and doing it, I don't think is ever going to change. But would Adam Lambert have had, would like, would he have had and gotten to singing with Queen in Vegas had he not been on American Idol? Like, I think that's the point is like, but you, but you, but you made the point, right? It's, it's the path to get there might be different but you still have to put in the work to do it. Yeah. And, and okay, let's say he didn't go on American idol. I mean, that's the type of person who performing is clearly in his blood. Right. So is he going to be part of queen and and in Vegas? Maybe not, but would he have, you know, to his own definition, a successful career? I think probably, probably. Yeah. No, good point. Um, you know, I think, Kelly Clarkson, she won, but second place was Justin Guarini. Yep. 
And he also did like nothing. So. Right. I, yeah, I, no, I'm with you. Yeah. It's, no, it's funny. A, it, it's interesting. Well, and it, it's funny. The, uh, <laughs> um, I didn't, I wouldn't have ever thought about this unless you brought it up, but like, I almost think that the rise of short form internet video is probably what really started doing in reality shows, especially something like American Idol. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's always, you know, YouTube's been around for a while, but, you know, you look at some of these artists who are online and just doing crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. They're not doing the numbers because of the platform. They're they're Agreed. putting in the work and they're using the platforms available to them to find success, which I don't yep. think that they're that there's ever anything wrong with. So yeah. that's no, my thoughts on that. All right, cool. Well, I appreciate you indulging me with the American Idol rabbit hole that I went down. No, that's good. Cool. Now you had said you had something you wanted to talk about today. I do. Um I'm all in on it. And this is a story of uh, old school lovely success, lady. Oh. I think um, it's not a story of a lovely lady. No, it isn't. Okay. Uh, let me just check one date real quick because there's two okay. dates. So, okay. Do you know who Pat Boone is? I mean, I like, I, not really. Okay. I've heard of him. Heard the name. I've heard the name. Yep. I know he was like a singer. He was. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but like, I, like I've heard and I've heard the name enough to know that he is a singer, like around the fifties or sixties. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell you. Like, if you said name a name a Pat Boone song, I'd say no. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> like I don't, I don't um, know much more about. I don't know anything else about him. Okay, so on. Let's see here. I'm just waiting for. Come on, let's go. There we go. So on January 21st, 1997. Okay. Pat Boone oh. released very controversial album. Oh, did he? Yeah, that's what we call foreshadowing. So if you're not familiar with Pat Boone. He is, he was a singer who was popular. Most of his singing fame came from the fifties and sixties. And, um, here I'll play a, a couple of the, uh, the hits, if you will. So here's one. Oh, I have it muted. Me cry when you said goodbye. Right. So, you know, yep, I'm there. kind of that crooner, kind of an Elvis vibe. Here's another one of his hits. Boom, 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 boom. Why, baby, why don't you treat yep. me? So you get the idea. My gra- Yeah, my grandmother had this. Uh, I would listen to I listened to Pat Boone at my grandmother's house. There you go. Yep. Um, Pat Boone. I, so I talk about a rabbit hole. This, I also I went down Boone's hole. <clears throat> so um boone was the according to billboard boone was the second 
biggest charting artist of the late 1950s. He would have been the top if it weren't for a young man named Elvis Presley. So never heard of him. Exactly. Um, Pat Boone is ranked number nine in the top 100, 100. Okay. There's so many numbers here. He's number nine in the top 100, top 40 artists between 1955 and 1995. Wait a second. Hold on. So okay. top 40 is like a, like pop. I think we pretty much call it yeah. now. Um, top 100. So out of between 1955 and 1995. Okay. The top 40. 100 pop artists over that 40 year span. Yeah. Pat Boone is number nine. He's in the top 10. Wow. Okay. Until 2010, Pat Boone held the billboard record for spending 220 consecutive weeks on the charts with one or more songs each week. What? So four years. Until 2010? Yeah. He had the record. I don't exactly know when he set that record. I don't have that info. But like he started recording in, in 1955, I think. So yeah. for 55 years, he had the record of the most weeks on the chart with 220 consecutive weeks on the charts. Okay, so we don't know the 220 consecutive weeks. I don't know exactly when that happened, no. That's fine, but from 1950 to 2010, that was the longest consecutive streak. Yep. Wow. So, I mean, homeboy can sing. Um, And it's his similar career to Elvis in that a lot of his early work is cover versions of old like rhythm and blues songs. Um. But he also uh, became an actor and starred in, well, I'm not going to say starred. He acted in almost 30 films. Um, In 1957, he was the third most popular box office ranking star. What? Yep. Um, He's written, gosh, this has got to be a list of like 25 books. And had a number one bestseller with, shoot, I don't have it. Um, he, yeah, he's got it. it so a, a storied career. And also, uh, he was a devout Christian and kind of had this whole television career, television and music career after the pop music of appearing on christian television shows like the 700 club stuff like that and doing a lot of gospel music and um i actually even believe got into like producing and and um marketing other bands like christian music i actually found a really interesting clip there was a band in the late 70s early 80s called striper that if somebody wants to correct me on this, you're more than welcome to, if you happen to be a striper fan, (laughs) but they were more or less like the first Christian kind of hard rock band. And their songs were very similar to the big bands at the time, like Van Halen and poison and just kind of that arena rock. And, um, 
they would come out and like they're they would always have on like black and yellow like wrapped like jumpsuits where it looked like caution tape type of thing um wow the only song i remember them doing was called uh to hell with the devil which but anyway so yeah um there's this show that i found it's a clip of just some morning show and striper comes out and plays a song and it like if you weren't looking it it sounds like maybe a b track to a to a van halen song or like a um twisted sister or something just that real kind of like bright but distorted guitars heavy drums the high-pitched vocals yeah um and so after the concert and they're playing for this group of just like just picture like a 1980s midwest like church mom like the bowl cut and the big glasses and the oversized sweater with shoulder pads like (laughs) they're just playing to this group who is not their demographic and the host of the show goes, oh, okay, well, I think we've got some questions from the audience. And this old, you know, this lady gets up and she goes, yeah, oh, oh so Pat Boone um, came out and I don't know the full context, but I think he was trying to help promote Striper or I don't know if he was a manager or something like that. Okay. Um, and so this, so it's the lead singer, uh, the, the interviewer from the show and then Pat Boone and then they're doing like a town hall style interview afterwards. And so this lady gets up and she goes, um, yes, Pat. So I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering that, you know, when we think of church music, it's all in glory to God. And I just watched this performance and it seems like the focus is all on the band and they're jumping around and they're throwing stuff in the audience. And Pat goes, oh yeah, they're throwing Bibles in the audience that have Stripers logo on it because they're cool looking Bibles. And she's like, well, whatever it is, it's taking the attention away from the message and putting it onto the band. And, um, oh, which is just like, just such a church response, um, (laughs) a Midwestern church mom response. So Pat Boone, like without missing a beat, he goes, so here's the thing, like, this is what kids listen to and, and what kids listen to, they care right now at that point in time in rock and roll. And it's probably still the case in a lot of genres. They want to hear the guitars. They want to see the band with the big hair and the, the crazy mm-hmm. setups. They, they want the loud music. And then, so he goes, if we went out there and tried to put, you know, the old rugged cross on the radio in the top 40 or on the rock and roll stations, no one would listen to it. <laughs> he goes, but the, you know, a band like Striper comes out here. The kids yeah. listen to it for the music. They listen to it for the show. Oh, and when you dig into the lyrics, it turns out it's not the stuff. And he starts talking about like, oh, the lyrics is, you know, in music today is getting bad and it sure. glorifies all this stuff and everything. Right. Um, so I'm going to like, I'm, I'm looking into Pat Boone and I'm like, dang, homeboy was kind of progressive even like 40 years ago. He sure was. Um, so all that to say, Pat Boone, a oh. lot of albums. Lots of success has a big kind of like, we'll say religious following and I'm using that term intentionally. I'm not saying Christian following. I'm saying religious and there is a difference. Um, so in January, what did I say? January 21st, first, yeah. 1997, Pat Boone released an album in the, in a metal mood 
No More Mr. Nice Guy. Ooh. And Pat Boone is like, basically, he wanted to, he and his band were looking for new things to do as they were recording. And the guitarist in his band said, listen, I know you don't listen to much heavy metal. You don't listen to much rock and roll, but there are some really well-composed songs. And at this point in time, like Pat Boone's it's, he's doing like big band music and like swing and everything. And so his guitarists got him listening to ACDC and, um, Alice Cooper and Ozzy Osbourne and he's going through and he's like, he's like, Hey, yeah. Okay. There's like, there's something we can do with this. So, um, so he releases this album in a mood for metal or sorry, in a metal mood, in a metal mood to, to promote the album. Yep. Pat Boone went on the American music awards. Ah. to present, hold on, let me pull that up because I had it. Pat Boone, AMA, American Is he still Awards. alive? He is still alive. He's 88. Okay. Um, so the, I know that we're going two weeks ahead here, but um, January 27th, 1997, Pat Boone co-presented with Alice Cooper the award for heavy metal band of the year. Come on. And I Good like for him. I will, I will put a picture of Boone. So basically Dick Clark, who is still alive. And as we learned, the producer of the AMAs. Yeah. Made the suggestion that, Hey guys, it'd be kind of funny if you two like switched outfits, not oh like, not like literally, but like, Oh, Alice Cooper, you're always wearing leather and, you know, all the kind of like heavy metal type stuff. And Pat Boone's always, you know, looking nice with the sweater and the shirt or the suit and everything. Yeah, good old Mr. Rogers. Exactly. Um, So at the at like the last minute, Alice Cooper back, he chickened out. <gasps> so he comes out in like a leather jacket and just like a bright red T-shirt or whatever. He just looks like Alice Cooper. And then he goes, ladies and gentlemen, to... Uh, co-present the award, the future of heavy metal. And you can tell Alice Cooper is just pissed. Like he is not happy with this. Mm. He goes, Pat Boone, Pat Boone comes out wearing like leather chaps, a a leather vest with no shirt on underneath. And it's like open. He's like, he put like fake tattoos on. He's, he's wearing like a, like a, like a leather, like collar necklace type thing. And he's got fake earrings. <laughs> but he still has I can only describe it as Lego man hair. Like he's still like, Oh yeah. yeah. It just looks he's... like you could pop that right off and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so he comes walking out and and Alice Cooper's like poking fun at him and everything and and Pat like to his credit, consummate professional, Pat Boone's out there trying to have a good time and he's hamming it up and he's like playing into it and everything. And he like comes out and he's looking at people and pointing at him like, oh, you want to fight type of thing? Because people are laughing at him. Of course. He walks back over to the to the podium. And the first thing you hear him say on mic is, hey, Alice, they're laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So Metallica wins heavy metal album of the year. Okay. Which they were up against Smashing Pumpkins and 
um, Stone Temple Pilots, which I don't think I consider either of them heavy metal, but whatever. Um, and so they come up and, uh, Lars is like, Oh yeah, by the way, uh, a big announcement. James is no longer the lead singer. We're now going to be touring with Pat Boone. Um, (laughs) so this, I remember this being a story. Like I remember it coming out that, that Pat Boone like went metal. Right. But I never listened to any of the music. Well, because of this, because of the marketing with it, people, religious people were in an uproar. Oh, I can imagine. They were sending letters to TV stations. They were calling into radio stations that played Pat Boone's music. And they're like, you got to take this man off the air. He's, he's done turned. He's a, he's an agent of evil. We got to get him off the air. Like foosball's the devil. (laughs) Oh, 100% (laughs) Mrs. Boucher. Like, (laughs) so so he got like his appearances on TV were canceled his, they stopped playing his songs on radio and it took a few years for him to like get back to having an audience and finding success like um, to where he once belonged. Yeah. Oh, it was, this was, uh, that was, <laughs> that was your fault. <laughs> um, That's insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I don't understand. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I don't understand why when you have, so you have a Pat Boone type fella, right? Who, I mean, just is spanning decades of success and adapting to the world in a a way, in whatever way he is choosing to to be. Now, I could understand if he's coming, okay, let me just throw a disclaimer out there. I'm not going to consider myself... Uh, I wouldn't label myself as a religious person. Mm-hmm. I don't have any disrespect for any beliefs that anybody has. You believe what you want to believe. No worries at all by me. But like, I can't fathom a situation where just because Pat Boone is like, trans, like probably poking fun at in a way like, he's, hey, yeah, sure. I'll create a metal. He's album. making fun of himself. Like I'll I'll make a metal album. I'm like 75 years old. Like I have no business making a metal album, but I'll do it. And it's like, why does that get people th- that followed him as a religious artist? Like, or am I saying that right? Like he was a religious yeah, background. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Like, why does that get people in an uproar? When now I could see if he was going in like. I'm saying this all having not here heard his music. So maybe he is becoming like satanic or whatever. Oh, but like, I'm assuming he's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going on an assumption that he's not. <laughs> um, but like, why does that get people in such an uproar? So it is. And this is why this is why I was careful to use the term religious people. Because I don't think Christians cared. Okay. Because number one, and and I watched an interview with Pat Boone that was I think just last year, um, and they kind of it was like a ten minute like recap of his life type of thing. He was I mean he's still alive. He was part he was taking place and taking part of the interview. 
Yeah. Still not right. Anyways. Um, hey, Pat, this is a recap of your life. Yes. Join so, us. So, and he even talked about, he goes, you know, the thing that just, and, and it's what you were saying to an extent where he's like, you know, I've been doing music a certain way for like 30 to 40 years at this point. And these people have seen me on the shows. They've heard me on the radio. They've listened to me at, at conferences. You know, I've opened for, you know, all these preachers and, yeah. and been asked to sing. And you like, he's like, people should know who I am. But the fact that because, you know, for a couple of days, I put on a leather jacket yeah. All of a sudden, like, oh, Pat's fallen from grace. Like, right. it's just, and and he's like, it's ridiculous. And and he's even still like a devout, you know, God fearing Christian man. And um, yeah. and and it's just, it's the same thing. It's a, a big, a big part of it is people just reacting to what they see. Like he went on Leno with the leather vest on. And like, oh, they're gosh. laughing about it the whole time. Like Pat Boone is in on the joke. Yeah. This isn't one of those situations where sometimes artists will like rebrand. Uh, MC Hammer did this famously. Um, and we need, I need to look up the dates of this cause we should talk about it. But MC Hammer, when gangster rap, you know, really started becoming more popular in like the mid early to mid nineties, um, he tried to rebrand as the funky headhunter, And, like, but was serious about it. And it's like, well, no, you're MC Hammer. Like, that guy is Ice Cube. Yeah. You're MC, like, and it's just, it's almost kind of like sad. And you, the more you read about MC Hammer's life, it is kind of sad, unfortunately. But, like, Pat Boone is out there, he's laughing, he's having a good time. And, and but it's, oh, he's wearing leather. So, yeah. now... At first, I was like, oh, this is ridiculous that people got upset about that. But then I heard the music, and I'm like, hmm, these people might be on to something. Okay. If you think I'll sit around as the world goes by, you're thinking like a fool because it's a case of do or die. Out there is a fortune waiting to be had. You think I'll let it go? You bet. You got another thing coming. It's like big band swing metal covers. I, I, just, I don't even know. Like, like, it's not even like he's out there singing like Pat Pantera the devil. or like, how dare you, Pat Boone? <laughs> Pat Boone is the devil. <laughs> like, how dare you? Like, okay, here, hold on. Let's, how dare you, Ron Burgundy? I'm going to share. So. I'm going to share a little bit more Pat Boone with you because I, w I went into it like, oh, this is funny. Hold on. Getting old, getting gray, getting ripped off on the fade, getting <laughs> so second hand. That's how it goes, playing in a band. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. What? I need to say getting something. Getting old. Oh, getting gray. Oh yeah. ACDC cover. <laughs> it's a long way to the top. I need everybody to understand that I'm being completely serious. Oh, this album has made it into my playlists. It is it amazing. 
and I say that without sarcasm, as a fan of like big band and swing music, yeah, it's all covers of these like these metal and rock songs, and they're done really well. I mean, that was good. I like it's what good. I did. Like here's here's like Enter Sandman. <laughs> no. Sleep with one eye open, gripping your pillow tight. Hey, hey, hey. Exit light. Enter night. Enter night. We're off the never, never land. Yo, this is like. It's good. Can you ima- so just, I just want to, I just want to lay us in, I just want to lay a scene out there. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's the top of the ninth. <laughs> it's the, it's the 2003 ALCS uh-huh. at Yankee Stadium. So you've got a, oh, what was his name? The guy from Texas. No, 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 no. Oh. 2003 ALCS, Red Sox, Yankees. Yeah. No, You're at Yankee Stadium. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Who was the closer? I'm blanking. You got Mariano Rivera oh, yeah. warming oh, yeah, up yeah, in the yeah. bullpen who comes out to enter Sandman. <laughs> but no, no. It's the Pat Boone version. And the door is open. I don't know if it sets the same intimidation factor. <laughs> so, okay. So enter let's... night. <laughs> I often never, never land. Hey. So let's say Mariano Rivera comes out to the real Enter Sandman, right? Mm-hmm. He does. But then all of a sudden, well, he did. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, um, Manny Ramirez comes out <laughs> to Crazy Train. Oh. <laughs> I I I. Shut up, <laughs> dude! This is fantastic. So, other than the choo choos, <laughs> it's really—I'm being serious. I like it. <laughs> it's good. Here it is. Like, here's a later part of it. Mental wounds not healing. Life's a bitter shame. I'm going off the rails. Now batting for the Red Sox, train. number 24, left fielder, Manny Ramirez. <laughs> like, oh, and I don't think Ramirez was there in 03, but anyways. Um, he was. He was? Okay, good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, Holy macaroni. It is. I'm being, like, I'm being serious. I've moved some of these songs into my frequently used playlist because they're good. Like no, I just added. First of all, the cover of this album. Oh, it's with the with the little twinkle in his eye. With the twinkle in his eye and like the long silver necklace with the with the leather vest <laughs> and, like, and the Lego is, man hair. You're so he, right. This is what he's wearing like at these events, and people are like, "Oh, Pat Boone's the devil." Oh, that twinkle in his eyes, the devil. I'm. Oh so my gosh, his. Oh my gosh, I just, one of the greatest songs of all time. Yeah. (laughs) 
Saddam Hussein? <laughs> is it? Maybe that's why people thought Pat Boone has turned. <laughs> <laughs> because Saddam loves stairway. <laughs> wow. When you started talking about that, I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And it's oh really, gosh. like, it's good. Like, here's a later part of it. Your head is humming and it won't go in case you don't know The Piper's calling you to join him I spotted him Dear lady, the can you hear the way There was I mean, smoke in the air. I made my way towards him. It sounds like a scene from like a romance novel. Wait, what are you talking about? Oh, when I don't him, know. like him singing it? Yeah, just like this is, is fantastic. And you know what I really appreciate about this album? You that? can understand the words to the songs. That that feels like the kind of thing that a person who would be upset about Pat Boone becoming the devil would say. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing about this modern music, if you even call it that, is you can't even understand what they say. Rap is crap. <laughs> Um, in I all am seriousness, so, I am so glad you did this. When we went to Florida, um, oh. somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Florida, um, <laughs> I'm in, <laughs> I'm in psycho town and Finkel's the mayor. Um, there's these billboards of like, like boss hog radio or something. And the tagline for it is, um, no rap, no crap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh, I love it. So that is this is fantastic. That is my Pat Boone rabbit hole. Um, oh, I am. Um, and he's produced more like rock cover albums since then. Um, I have not gone into it, but if you are looking for just a good time, oh. go check out "In a Metal Mood." No more, Mister Nice Guy, and it's. You won't regret it. Like it's just there's no. It's so good. Uh, um, I am so glad you did this. Thank you, Justin. You're welcome. Um, there was. <laughs> what? No, that's that's it. I don't. I don't even know. I'm like, I'm laughed out, but I'm not. I'm laughing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, um, so good. Well, thank you for sending me down a papoon rabbit hole. Now I need to go find the rest of his discography and uh, play this at my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Um, I might I might already have like a playlist put together. Maybe I'll share that out for folks of just <laughs> of songs that we've talked about, but most of it so far is Pat Boone. As it um, should be. You can put it on our MySpace page at myspace.com <laughs> backslash backbeats and breakdowns. <laughs> this will be our page song. <laughs> Enter night. Hold on, this will be the um, <laughs> this will be the page song. I got no friends cause they read the papers. They can't be seen <laughs> with me, and I'm getting real shot down, and I'm feeling me. Nice Mr. Guy. Nice Guy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Take me on. Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Oh.